0: Hi. Welcome to On the Daily Season Two, a podcast focusing on authentic and acoustic entrepreneurship. My name is Danielle McCleary. I am your host. Y'all, I just left a nine year fitness career to pursue full time entrepreneurship. So I am in the trenches with you, but I got big dreams of being a millionaire and helping other people to become millionaires as well. So together, we're going from stuck to unstoppable. And I'm so excited that you're here for this ride. Let's freaking go. Hello on the Daily Family. Welcome back to the show. I am obviously very pumped about our guest today because You should be. She sleeps in my bed. Mm -hmm. Um, her name is Breezy J, and she is my ball and chain, my fiance, my confidant, my best friend, also dinner maker, my dinner, laundry doer, dishwasher, my director of operations for my business. She's queen. She's queen of the land. And she's on today. So welcome back to the show, Breezy J.
1: Thank you so much for having me,
0: Danielle McCleary. She's getting more confident with this. Her first time on this show, she was very um not confident. And now she's really, she's really made her uh made herself at home. hmm Um, okay, friends, today, the reason why I brought Breezy on is not just so we can have conversations while you listen.
1: Although... Bri- so you can Google at me but, on the screen right now.
0: Although... Well, there aren't some of most people... You.
1: On. I'm saying you are Google. Oh,
0: I can oogle. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, maybe you know Breezy J, maybe you don't. Um, if you don't, you should. You can go follow her at Breezy.j on Instagram. I wanted to bring her back on the show today for a few different reasons, um, which we're going to tell you all about. But before we dive into that, I need to tell you um, about, well, also, today's my birthday.
1: Happy birthday, New Year. Mm. Happy mm. birthday,
0: to mm. You. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, it's my birthday. I'm 35. Which did you know that you're 30? Like, whatever year you're turning, that's actually you're going into the next year. So, 35 means that I'm all I'm the, at the end of my 35th year. So, when I turn 35 today, I'm going into my 36th year of life. And how does that feel? Younger than you? Mm. Ouch! Good one. Um, but to celebrate, I am officially. Uh, I launched a secret offer a few weeks ago and today is the last day because tonight I will be telling everybody what that secret offer is and it's so freaking good and it's just gotten better and better and better as the weeks have gone on. I keep like adding ideas to it and I keep like refining it and making it more awesome and currently you can get it for $111 and after I tell you what it is, it's not, you can't get it anymore. So I recommend that if you missed it at $20, that's fine. If you missed it at $40, also fine. If you missed it at $55, also fine. All If you missed it at $88, also fine. Um, but get it today because tonight I'm going to be talking about it. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this weeks and weeks later, well, you already missed it, but Bummer, dude. Bummer, dude. Um, but we are, I'm talking about it. And that secret offer is going to be amazing. And so um, come to my Instagram at Danielle underscore on the daily this evening. If um, you bought that offer, cause I'm going to tell you all about it. You're also going to get an email, but that's happening. And then, and yeah, from Breezy, you're going to get an email from Breezy that says it's from me. Um, and then, uh, then next is launch with power is my eight week mastermind for all entrepreneurs launching or scaling a business. So if you have a business that you're ready to launch, great. If you have a business that you're scaling, maybe that you've already launched, but you maybe need to relaunch or what have you, This is a really, really great mastermind to be a part of. If you've never been in a mastermind, it was the game changer for my business because what it does is it puts you in spaces with people who are like going exactly where you're going and the conversations are just richer. They're more vibrant. They mean more. They are conversations that like you really want to be a part of if you're trying to grow a business. And so um, launch with power launches January 1st and we'll go till the end of February for eight weeks. And there are biweekly hot seat group coaching calls with me as well as a Voxer group that you can be jump into 24 seven, um, that, you know, you'll have access to all of the other people as well. So it's not just me you're learning from, it's also other entrepreneurs. So people that maybe are having the same struggles as you, people that are going through the same things. We also have some peer mentors in there from past masterminds that I've done. And, um, I think it's going to be a really great space. So you can register for that. Flexible payment options are available. You can go to daniellemccleary.com and you can click on uh, work with me, which will give you access to all of the masterminds. Um, You can also go to my courses and get anything on demand. But for the masterminds specifically, it's uh, the work with me section of my website. So You can also slide into my DMs and I can point you in the right direction. Anyway. Okay. So why is Breezy J here except to look awesome? Breezy J is a um, professional athlete uh, for a obstacle course race circuit called High Rocks, which is kind of like a, what would you say? It's like a CrossFit hybrid.
1: Yeah, it's um, a running race meets like a low impact CrossFit race. Um, so it's, yeah, I would say it's like a hybrid of those two it's indoors. So it's not similar to other obstacle course races like Spartan or anything like that, where they're outdoors. Um, but it does fall under that umbrella of running and then doing events and running and doing events.
0: Yeah. So she has been doing that for over a year now and she's done how many races? Five, four, four or five. She's done four. And last year, she did two. The first one she did, she had literally started training like a week before. What, three three weeks? Three weeks. And she literally crushed it. She qualified for world championships. The next week, like five days later, she flew to Vegas to compete in world championships. And you ended up getting sixth in the world in your division, which was pretty epic. Um, And then she came back this year. And she raced. um, You raced in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't your best race. And then she came back and raced in LA a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And um, that's kind of where this today starts off. And I know you're thinking, this is a business podcast. Why are we talking about sports? <laughs> well, mindset is mindset. And the mindset of a champion, the mindset of somebody who leads themselves, which is something I talk about all the time, is it's, in, it's connected to every single thing you do. So this is not like the mindset that you have as a competitive athlete versus the mindset that somebody has as an entrepreneur in their business, there's no difference in that mindset. It's just where it's applied. And ultimately what I've come to find in my journey also as a competitive athlete, but also as a fitness instructor, somebody who has, you know, been in fitness for a long time, I was a professional dancer for a long time. I was on television for a long time that mindset, that work that I've done, that shadow work that I've done on myself to really dig deep into my subconscious and reframe limiting beliefs, it is not just something that I can apply to my business. It's something once you apply it in one area, it has no choice but to be applied to areas all over your life. So that can be the relationships you have. That can be the way that you parent. That can be the way that you run your business. That can be the way that you work out. That can be the way that you prioritize your time. It really doesn't matter. Everything is connected. So. One of the biggest reasons why I wanted to bring Breezy on today is because I am her biggest fan. (laughs) I'm your biggest fan. And I love watching her race. I also, every time she does, I'm like, do I want to do this race? And then I immediately am like, not really. Not really. I don't. Maybe I'll do one eventually. But I witnessed something pretty miraculous over the last couple of races. And it was a real testament to who... You're becoming just in your mindset as a human, as a woman, as a mom, as a partner, as an entrepreneur in your own right like all of these different things. Like, I've it was a huge moment for me to witness because the transformation that you had from Dallas to LA, I think two years ago, three years ago. Obviously, Breezy and I have been together a long time now. And um we're actually two days away from being engaged for three years. We got engaged on December twenty second, two thousand nineteen. So we've been engaged for three years and we're we've been like together
1: a few months shy of
0: six. You can't be that far away from the oh, mic. They and can't we're hear a few you. months shy of our six, six years. Six years. Yeah, we've been together a long freaking time. <laughs> but I think that transformation that I witnessed between Dallas and LA, um, I don't think three years ago, even two years ago, maybe even a year ago, you would have come back the way that you did. Um, And so that is why I wanted to have you on today is just to kind of talk through that a little bit. And I don't even know if you know what happened, but maybe we'll figure it out together on this episode. So I want to first start by saying like, let's just have you kind of share what happened. Like, let's give us some context before I ask you some questions.
1: Okay. What happened Dallas to LA or like my whole high rocks journey? Um, it's up to
0: you. Do you want to share about your whole high rocks? Give it like I a mean, little I'll backstory
1: do. of last year and then okay. spend most of the time on Dallas into LA. Okay. And for those of you, um, like we said, who don't know high rocks, you can check out the Instagram. It's high rocks, with a Y H Y R O X America or high rocks world, um, Instagram. So what the race is, is it's eight, one K runs, which a one K run is 0.6 of a mile or 0.62 of a mile. And in between those eight runs, you do eight events. And the events are um, a thousand meter ski erg, so the one where the handles are up high and you pull it down. And then the second one is um, for my age group, uh, pro women, or not not my age group, but my division, um, pro women. It's a 336 pound sled push and you go 12 uh, meters four times. And then you run your other 1K and then it's a sled push, or I'm sorry, a sled pull. And then it's – what's event for My brain doesn't even work. Burpee broad jumps. Burpee broad jumps for 80 meters. And then you run. And then it's um, rowing, 1,000-meter rowing. And then farmer's carry. a Run first. Yeah, run. And then the farmer's carry, which is um, two 24 kg kettlebells. Um, it's like – 54-ish pounds, so it feels like you're carrying two of your heavy-ass suitcases going on a trip um, for 200 meters. And then uh, sandbag lunges, 45 pounds on your shoulders, and you do 100-meter alternating lunges. And then the last one is pretty rough. It's 100 wall balls with a um, 6 kg wall ball, which is um, 14 pounds. So... Yes. Run, event, run, event, run, event. The race takes my first race ever. So the one I did about three weeks of training, um, I finished in an hour and 32 minutes and I raced world championships right after that, because when you qualify for world championships, it's like, duh, you got to go. So I spent seven days just recovering honestly, and then race world championships just for fun. Did really well. Shaved ten minutes off my time. Finished an hour and twenty-two minutes. And so for those two races, my biggest focus mentally um, was on a practice called mental imagery. And so if you've played sports, um, you may have heard that term used. A lot of professional athletes do it. I started the practice in college, and it's where you just lay down. It's similar to meditation. Lay down, eyes open or closed. I prefer closed. Um, And all you do is run through, and you replay in your mind the feeling your body feels going through good repetitions of whatever skill you're going to do. So I used to do that in volleyball. Now I do it with a high rocks race. And it is especially helpful if it's a race you've never done before, but you know what it looks like. And so I watched a lot of people race in the race before my first one. And I like watched what they were doing. And I just took myself, I had done all the skills. So I took myself through the whole race in my mind. And that was extremely helpful because then it didn't feel like the first time for my body when I actually did it. And so that was a mental practice I had then got me a certain point. Wait, can I say
0: something about this? Because they so they've done a lot of studies on this, what she's talking about, this mental imagery. And like one of the times that they did this is like the Swiss ski team. I think it was the Swiss ski team.
1: I mean, there's been studies on s-
0: so many different types of athletes, but yeah. they're, they're in the book, um, breaking the habit of being yourself by Joe Dispenza. He talks about this in the book and I'm pretty sure it was the Swiss ski team. It could have been a different European ski team, but they ski and Basically what they did is they were like the, the downhill skiers, the Olympic downhill skiers. And so what they did is they hooked half of them up to like, uh, you know, a, a, the machine where they put the little circle things to your head and they like, r- r- they check your brain waves essentially. Like they, they track your brain activity while you do this mental imagery. And then the other half, they actually had run the course with the same things on their brains, like with the same little sensors. And what they found, which is freaking wild, which is, this is what I talk about all the time is like the way that you think about things, right? What you think about most is what's going to happen. And that's manifestation. If we are talking manifestation being a scientific process, this is literally what we mean. So what they found with these skiers, which is like what Breeze is talking about is the the half of the skiers that they had run through their their race. So their downhill course mentally. So do the mental imagery of it compared to the people who they had actually run, like ski their course. So physically do it, the brain activity and what was happening in the brain was the exact same. The brain doesn't know action. The brain only knows imagery. So it doesn't really matter if you're actually, if it's actually happening or not, your brain is going to, um, your brain's going to fire. So if we think about like, how we obsess or how we freak out about things that haven't even happened yet. And all we think about is what could go wrong. That's literally what's gonna happen because your brain, what you think about most, becomes your reality. So when Breeze is talking about this mental imagery, this is like a science, this is like literally the scientific proof that manifestation is real. Continue. <laughs>
1: um, another great book, um, it's an older book, super easy read. It's called Mind Gym um, by Gary Mack. And I read that when I was like, early on in college, I think it was, but it just goes through and it shows tons of research um, for Gary Mack, who is a sports psychologist and has worked with like hundreds of professional sports teams and athletes and just shows all the different ways that science does truly back up this practice. Um, But it teaches you also how to do the practice and how to figure out what works for you. So you can use it with literally any skill in life and it is manifestation in some ways with sport it's mental imagery
0: also manifestation
1: though also yeah it's also manifestation and for me though uh, so the, the biggest difference in my first two races is i was focusing on mental imagery to prepare my body to feel good and to feel like i had done these movements before and to like feel confident in the race the piece that i was missing was actually manifesting what i wanted to happen like i in my first two races, I was like, oh, I'm going to do well. I'm confident. Like I'm good at all these skills. I'm a good runner. I know I'm going to do well. But like, that was kind of it. And I just focused. I was like, I, you know, I want to do all my movements in my head over and over feeling good. So that's where I I practiced. This year, um, before the Dallas race, which was about four weeks ago, I got really nervous before that race because I didn't feel like physically I'd prepared as well as I did last year just with the move and new training and new gyms and, like, all the excuses. And I had, like, all that negative, like, self-talk going on. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll just focus on my mental imagery. And so I just kept trying to do my mental imagery, but I was getting distracted during it. And so, like, in my gut I knew something was off, but I just kept, like, trying to force it on myself. And I was just like, it'll be fine, but, like, also I'm not prepared, but it'll be fine. And so anything else that I did before Dallas that was – Not great. I, qu- I mean, I questioned everything.
0: Well, she questioned everything, but you also like weren't eating as well. Like there were little factors that weren't the same, but also when you went into your first two races last year, you literally had three weeks of training. I think the biggest piece that I'm noticing is like the support that you had going into the first one. Like I hadn't even thought about that until just now, but like before we went into, the, you went into the first races, you had Phil who was like such a huge supporter of you being like, you, you fucking got this, like you're going to crush it and like all these things. And you didn't really have that except for me, like, obviously I'm here, but like, you didn't have a trainer at the gym telling you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that had, if that wasn't, it had anything to do with it.
1: Yeah. I think actually that is a really good point that I hadn't thought about until now is before my first two races, I had a lot of external validation and I, at the time really needed that. And so that helped it amplified my confidence because I was like confident, but I was also like, I mean, who knows how I'm going to do? I've never done this before, but I had Phil, I had you, I had my parents, I had my siblings, I had, you know, like our closest friends, like people supporting me, um, with getting me to world championships. Like everyone was like, I got you, I got you. And I just had this like team of people. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, like if they all have that confidence me, then I have it. Um, and then in Dallas, yeah, I didn't have as much of that. So I lost a little bit of... (laughs) She's getting the content right now. That's why I'm awkwardly laughing. If you're watching this video, you can see it. Um, You look great. um, So I didn't have that during Dallas, but blah, blah, blah. I ended up finishing that race in an hour and 23 minutes. So on paper, not terrible. It was only a couple minutes or like a minute and a half over my fastest time. But I have a feeling wise, like I think Danielle saw it in my eye. I stumbled a few times. I lost my. Like, you, it's a very mental race because you have to keep track of, like, your reps and the number of laps you run. And, like, there's so many things mentally you have to know. I lost my place. I'm, like, looking to her to, like, ask her where I was. I was so, like, just disoriented, confused. And it was a complete and utter struggle every minute of that race. Like, I almost gave up about four or five times. Like, legit almost called it in because I was just dying to get through that race. Dallas race ends... Um, I finished decently, but I just like, I felt terrible. I literally it feeling wise was like, I did not enjoy this. And it made me question like, why are you doing this? It's a race. I'm, I'm just doing for myself. I'm doing it to challenge myself. I'm doing it to have a goal and to hit a goal. And so I had to kind of like have a come to Jesus moment and be like, okay, like, If you're not enjoying every minute of it, literally every minute of training, every minute of the race, then like, why do it? Just don't do it. So part of me was questioning that right after that race ended. And I had already signed up for Los Angeles, which was exactly three weeks after, which was what, a week ago or so. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm already signed up for L.A. Meanwhile, my entire family, because I haven't seen them in a couple months, was like planning on coming to watch all six of my nieces and nephews. They were going to make me signs. And I'm like, I just am coming off of the worst race I've ever had. And it's not fun getting ready for another race. Um, So that's, I think, where I realized I just had to completely shift my mindset. Right. And you there was like a moment, too, I remember before we flew to L.A. where
0: you were like, um, like, I I like looked at you said something like, oh, well, you know, L.A. is just going to be for fun. And I like stopped and I looked at you and I was like, what do you mean LA is just going to be for fun? This is the last opportunity you have to qualify for world championships. Like, why would you even say that? Like, I was so dumbfounded and like you even, I think, caught yourself in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty, it seemed like you had written it off. Like you had written off that you could be successful at that race because you had not done well to your standard in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I do remember saying that. I was like, oh, it'll just be for fun. Everyone will be there watching and it'll just, yeah, I'm, I don't care how I finish. When secretly I was just freaking out inside because I had done so poorly. And after Dallas, I ended up booking two jobs as a movement director, which took me to Los Angeles and then to Toronto, working what did I do? Like seven shoot days of like 12 hour days. And then I was home for two days before we had to fly to LA for the race. So my training was really inconsistent. My nutrition was decent at best. Um, And so I actually was just like, okay, I'm even set up less for this race than I was for Dallas.
0: Do you think you self-sabotaged at all?
1: Um, That's my go-to, yeah. (laughs) I I like to self-sabotage so that, yeah, if I get – an outcome that I don't like or that's not up to my expectations. I can just be like, oh, well, you know, it was all these reasons. But in actuality, it's me sabotaging. Yeah. And I think to you, because you
0: were even saying like there were, you know, there's some girls that were racing that were like, like she was also going to be racing against the girls that were like best in the world in LA. Like she had never raced against these girls before cause they were all at other races. And this was like the first time that you were going to race against these girls that were like literally like t- the top, the three and four like top girls in the United States and the world. And like, I, I sensed a part of you that was like kind of afraid of that. So I, just because I know you so well, I was like, oh, she's self-sabotaging because she doesn't want, if she goes for it as hard as she can and she still doesn't get the outcome that she wants, she's going to blame, she's going to feel worse than if she just like goes into it with this, like, well, I'm just doing it for fun. So then if you don't get the outcome, you know what I mean? Like I I sensed that hard from you. Would you say that that was happening? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was definitely happening. Um, I mean, my mantra before World Championships, um, uh, sorry, I had time for the cussing, but it was um, fuck shit up because I had literally like never been to World Championships. There's all these high-level racers who've been doing it for like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. You've all done that. I'm new here and I'm pretty good at this. So I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to shake some shit up and who knows what's going to happen. And with that attitude, I really... I did do that before Dallas. It was just all like, I was like scared and having um, imposter syndrome. There's also like a beginner's luck to things. Like I really do believe in beginner's luck. Like I've started businesses before. Like when
0: I started in network marketing, I remember I didn't have like any idea, like what the fuck I was doing. And I just like went in like balls to the wall. Like, what is it? Like passion on fire. I had no idea what I was doing and I was a machine. And I think like the, when you don't know anything, I really do believe that there is like beginner's luck. So there's like sometimes I see this in people's businesses, they'll have a lot of success at the very beginning. And then as they start to get into it more and they start to like understand what's happening, and they're, you know, it's like some of it maybe starts to become more sub- subconscious. I do think that th- like you do s- start to like plateau a little bit. And then, then like the true mental discipline and like this mindset of a champion and like the ability to lead yourself really does come in. So there was also that going on for you. It's like the first two races, you were just like,
1: la-di-da, I don't know what I'm doing. Here I am. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely it. Uh, <laughs> our dog is here talking to us. Um, so, okay. So switching to what you've called mindset of a champion, I would say that happened like the week of preparing for um the LA race, I literally was just like, you know what? I'm over self-sabotaging, I'm over myself, I'm over my imposter syndrome. Like, I'm just I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of feeling that way. And I went back to a practice that I've been in for the past year, which is just like trusting the universe and trusting that I have all the skills I need to be in this moment. In my life at this time. And so I just kept saying that to myself. I'm like, you know what? I I have prepared. Like I do these skills regularly. No, I don't run through the race all the time, but that is not a practice you do for anything. (laughs) You don't run 20 marathons before you run your first marathon. Like that's not how training goes. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm so prepared for this race. I am more mentally prepared now because I've seen success, I've seen failure, and I've just screwed, I'm done. And so I switched and I was like, I'm just going to not give up and see what happens.
0: Okay. So LA happens and you freaking crushed it. Like she freaking crushed it. What did you end up getting? She ended up getting first in her age group and eighth overall, like in the whole race. In women's pro. In women's pro, like her division, which is... Well, I mean, but that would have been eighth overall and all, well, I guess they have a different weight. So like there's women's open and there's women's pro and the women's pro, they lift heavier weights. There's like different rules in women's open. So out of women's pro, pro, she got eighth overall and first in your age group and you ended up having your best time ever, right? 219 was your, oh, sorry. (laughs) 119 was your time. And so when we talk about this idea of like, you kind of talked about this earlier, but outside validation. So would you say that the reason you did better in the in LA was because you had outside validation or do you think it was something else?
1: Um, no, that was one thing I did shift was even though I knew my family was going to be there, you were going to be there. It was going to be like a high energy race. Like I knew that I needed to come up with all of my own momentum this time and all of my own like trust and confidence. So that is something that I was so confident in before the race was, I was like, I'm going to do well. I know I'm going to do well and I'm doing well for me and everyone else is here. And so I just went, like, I just felt that shift internally because I, I changed my dialogue and I was like, I'm not going to give up. And, and it's for me because I, I truly enjoy training for these races. I truly enjoy participating in these races. I, I, remind myself constantly in that hour and 19 minutes to just like enjoy the journey of it um cuz that's where you spend your time it's not the finish line it's literally every movement you make every rep you do um so
0: i think you bring up a good point especially with athletes like i mean growing up dancing this happened a lot like i loved to dance like i loved dancing i loved choreographing i loved performing and you get to a certain point in your Athletic career where you don't really, I don't think you really know if you're doing it for you anymore or if you're doing it for what you're going to like, who's going to cheer for you and who you're, you know, making happy by doing it. Like, I remember there were moments where I was like, do I even like want to be doing this anymore? And like, I did, but I sometimes I think it's easy to start doing things for reasons that are outside of yourself, which is a really interesting point you bring up because. I don't know. I, I see this in business too. I mean, so many. I mean, so many people, so many clients I've I've worked with that, you know, if they're not getting praise from someone about what they're doing, they almost feel like they don't want to do it or they want to burn it down or that they're doing something wrong. But it's kind of like what you're saying. If you're going to do something that means something to you, it cannot be for anyone else, and you have to do it for you. So, would you say that? like, what do you think was like the big turning point? Like, when do you think that moment happened where you were like, wait, I need to do this for me?
1: It was a little bit before the race when I was like, do I actually want to go and do this? Or should I just quit and be like, hey, everyone, let's go out to lunch and just like hang out and not even bother with the race. So like I had, I had to sit with myself and be like, is this what I want to be doing um, for me? And and I just was like, yeah, like I, I fucking love this. Like I want to be, since the time I was four years old, if you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was a professional athlete. And at that, when I was at four, I wanted to play softball in the Olympics. And then it changed to Lesbian. <laughs> Shut up. And then it changed <laughs> to volleyball in the Olympics, but I want to be an Olympian and I want to be a professional athlete. That's all I ever wanted to be. And now it's so weird for me to actually consider myself that A and B like sit with it and be like, oh shit. Like I'm here now. And what, like, what, how do I act now? What do I do now? And so, um, physically I know I'm capable of great things in, in this race, but mentally I wasn't quite there yet. And so, yeah, I felt the shift in LA and a tangible moment was in the slide push. So it was the, what, um, I did, I ran, and then I did skier. I ran and then got to the fourth event, sled push. And I was doing well in the race. I think I was like fourth or fifth, right? I got in there. You
0: were like, yeah, Yeah, fourth. like
1: I was doing really well right behind like the most elite athletes. And I was pumped. And I get to the sled and I had changed my shoes. And it was a poor choice. They were great for everything except for the sled push. And I lost a shoe. Those fucking shoes. I had to put it back on. And then I started pushing. I had no traction and I just completely trashed my sled push, my fastest sled time in Dallas. I did well in the sled. That was one thing I did really well. I finished in four minutes and 49 seconds. And then I could just feel myself like the time was ticking. Everyone was like passing me in sled push and I was just struggling. And I legit almost gave up again. And I had that moment. It was in LA. and I was just like, I'm, I'm done. And then a friend of mine coincidentally named Danielle came right in front of me at the finish of the sled and she was cheering me on she works for high rock. She's, um, an MC. She's awesome. She's cheering me on yelling. And then I had this lovely Danielle behind me and my whole family like yelling, and cheer me on. And so I was like, I knew I had to just do it. And so I started a new mantra in that moment. I said, never give up. Anything can happen. Never give up. Anything can happen. And I just pushed harder than I ever have. And I played the rest of that race for what 16, 14, 14, 14 12 more events just playing catch up. And I just tried to go as fast as I possibly could. And yeah, I PR'd at an hour 19 and finished first in my age group. And I was just like throughout the whole race, I just kept being like, I'm so like, I was so proud of myself for making that shift. And it was just one of those moments I'll never forget where I was like, I was in the gutter. Like I was, I was so close to giving up and I just was like, I'm done. I'm done. And then I was like, no, I'm not like, here's where like, here's where the work is. And so I was really just like, I kept running. I was like, I'm so proud of myself for not quitting. I'm so proud of myself.
0: What do you mean by here's where the work is? Cause I think we're onto something here. Like <laughs> when you say that, like, here's where the work is, you're about to quit. It's like not looking good. And when she says it wasn't looking good, like she went from like fourth to like ninth real fast. Uh, like,
1: no, it was like 12th. I think,
0: I don't know. Like there a lot of people past her and she was screaming, like yelling, and like put oh, yeah. like hitting hitting the sled and it just like wasn't a cute look for her. And I felt it and cause I was standing kind of right behind her and um
1: Did I say how long the sled took me? On that took one? her like over six was, minutes. Yeah, it was like almost seven minutes. So yeah, it was bad. Legit like three minutes almost over my normal sled time. So But
0: what does that yeah. mean? This is where the work is.
1: So for me, it has always been what is it a, like a limiting belief or like a a roadblock I've had where I'll get so far I'll be good at something and then failure will happen or you know I won't do well and it's like in those moments I'll usually just give up or self sabotage or you know make excuses and then that's it and I'll go hide into a hole and that's cry and yeah that's my loop and this time was like I was like no like this is what I have to break this is the pattern I need to break this is yeah, this is just like my moment to make the change in, and I'm a huge person with like, I need to, I need to have actionable, like tangible changes to really break through things. I can't just sit in it. Like you're really good at it. You can just sit and be like, I have this loop. I need to break it. And in your mind, you can just like break it for me. That took a long time. I wasn't always, I mean, I used to be the same
0: way. Like this is, this is why I wanted to talk about this because this shadow work is where you change. Right. And you like Breeze that you're new to this. Like this is something like I mean for the past two years since I've been doing this work, I've been trying to get Breezy to do this work with me. And she always gets like really close. And then she's like, I just can't. This isn't for me. Like, I don't understand. And then she Forget. stays in the loop because it's un, it's fucking uncomfortable, y'all. Like it is not fun to be in like that moment where you see everyone passing you and you're like about ready to quit, which is what you've always done when things get hard. Like that is not an easy pattern to break. And that action that you took by like, the action was staying. Like staying sometime is the hardest thing we do, is showing up when you feel like you've lost, showing up when you've fucked up, showing up when like you have no idea what you're going to, like how you're going to get yourself out of this. Like, Like that's, those are the moments where you literally your subconscious mind go like ear, like dog ears, right? Like it starts to pay attention and go, Oh, okay. We're changing. We're changing. We're changing. And like, the more you do it now, that's why I can sit here. And like, if I'm going through a loop, I can mentally change the loop in seconds because my, that's my, like my, my subconscious understands that like, like we don't, we don't stay in loops anymore,
1: but that took a long time. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but the action was really helpful. And it was just my awareness of being like, oh, like this is it, this is the moment. Like this is me in the hole, this is, you know, my family, you, like people I'm racing with that I know, like so many friends and family at that race that were watching me. And I had that like hesitation for a second where I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. And then that quickly, I was just like, no, like, no, we're not going to that place this time. Like, it's not your shoes fault. It's not like those are great shoes. Like, it's not your choice in changing your shoes. Nothing like you're still in control of how this finishes and how this story plays out. And so I was like, I didn't like I saw my family there and I was like, I it was just a shift to in. I wasn't doing it for you. I wasn't doing it for my family. Like I loved having everyone there to support me. Like that was so fun and such good energy, but I wasn't doing it to like show everyone, "Oh, I can get through that sled push." It was truly like a moment for me. And when I kept it internal, it really like I could just feel that difference and and then it obviously was a huge difference. So, what I mean, the biggest lesson I learned post-race was looking back at Dallas and just being like, "That was such a a blimp in time. Like it was a race. It was bad. Like bad and good aren't even really a thing to me anymore. It's just like, that wasn't, that was just another race. And this one was better. So it's like, everything is, is a step better, but it wasn't bad. It was just a learning. And I mean, it's what got me to having this moment in LA. After Dallas, did you kind of attach like identity
0: or like meaning to it on a personal level? Like why you didn't do well?
1: I mean, yeah, I uh, attached and questioned everything and I felt like it was all, I was making excuses, but ultimately I was like, I'm just not good enough. Like, I'm just not good enough for this race. This isn't like, I was wrong in thinking that I could be at an elite level in this race. Like, it's just, I was wrong. I'm not good enough. I'm not training well enough. I'm not like, it was all the things I went down a spiral.
0: Well, and I think that's a that's part of a bigger conversation because this is number, another conversation I have with a lot of my clients. And you're like so far, you're like out of the screen. You need there, to come sorry. in there. Um, like one of the conversations I have with my clients a lot is this idea that you're going to have bad months in business. Like I've put out probably 20 programs this year. Three or four of them got no signups. And like that happens. And Instead of attaching meaning to it and being like, oh, well, maybe I'm not meant to be doing this or, oh, maybe I don't know enough or, oh, maybe I suck. Instead, it's about coming to that realization of like, no, a bad month, a bad launch, a bad race is just that. A bad launch, a bad month, a bad race. That's it. That's all it is. And if anything, it's a lesson that like anything can happen you know even even the same race that she ran twice last year and crushed she can have a bad day but just like you can have a bad day you can have a good day and so i see this a lot and this is the real reason why i wanted to bring you on and talk about this is because i saw that shift in you i was like oh she's not doing this for everyone else anymore where i felt like last year you were like doing it even though you were really good and like you were crushing it i almost felt like it was like a like a I don't know, like a comeback thing. Like look at me, I'm going to do this and I'm going to show everyone that I'm like a, an elite level athlete, which like you are you are an elite level athlete. But there was a huge shift in you that it wasn't about everyone else this time. And when you made that shift, I think that's what that's where
1: that's what that's why you ended up finishing as well as you did. And I think for me personally too, I have dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome. Um that's my what one 3 in human design, yeah. that is kind of the imposter. Yeah. I don't know. Some part of me um struggles with being an imposter. And that was the moment where I did I stopped trying to be an elite level athlete or a professional athlete for everyone else, or to like show off for that external validation. But I was like, and I'm I wasn't doing it to like prove it to myself, but in a way I was because like I truly have never felt enough or felt like I was there. And so I was like, I am just gonna run my hardest race, handle adversity, push through it and finish stronger than that moment of adversity or failure. And like that to me defines me as an elite level athlete. Like I, that was it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it's like when I finished that, I was like, so proud of the fact that like, I, yeah, I finished that story and I, I like, you know, I feel it now in myself and I don't get as awkward about calling myself a professional athlete. Like I have in the past <laughs> couple years. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's interesting. Cause I, I have a lot of, there's a lot of people that tell me that they're imposter, like, Oh, I struggle with imposter syndrome. Like most people struggle with imposter syndrome, especially if you're like, I mean, especially if like your human design is a generator, I mean, really all the human designs, but like generators, manifesting generators, projectors, like imposter syndrome is a big one. But I don't actually think it's imposter syndrome. I think when we break it down, I think what imposter syndrome actually is, is people trying to perform or coach at a level or like coach people through things that they themselves have not learned the lesson from. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think... When I was watching you do these races, like you were like, I'm going to get top 15. I'm going to get elite 15. That's what I'm going to get. And my goal is elite 15, which is like the top 15 women in the world. So it's it's like the
1: top people in the
0: entire world.
1: Which most of them have been racing for like 5, 10 years. Well, it's a, just a whole different... Well, yeah, they've been
0: racing for that long, but like also a lot of these girls, like not only, I mean, they're all really like a lot of them are a lot younger than Breeze, but like also these girls, like all they do is race. Like the one girl that her name's Chris and like she has one, she's the world champion in like three other obstacle circuits. Like she's a Spartan world champion. She's a Tough Mudder world champion, you know? So like ultra marathon, like hundred mile, like champion, like these people, this is what they do. Like this is their living. Right. And so I see this a lot with the coaching industry too, is I see people who are coaches feeling like they're imposters. But it's not that you're an imposter. It's just that you're trying to coach people at a level that you haven't yet learned the lesson. And I used to do this too. Like I used to be like, oh, well, I should just be coaching on that. But like I hadn't really learned the lesson from that yet. And so I think, you know, when it comes to coaching, you are best qualified to serve the person you were like a year or two ago. So you think about like, what were you going through a year or two ago? And like, I think how we apply this to like the, the mindset of an athlete is like, you were trying to put yourself in the shoes of the people who did this for a living and had all of the experience and had learned all of the lessons about like losing races, you know, in order to become the elite 15 in the world. And like, you hadn't experienced that yet. Like you hadn't gone through those moments yet.
1: Yeah, I think I I did that partly because I am so much older than them. I'm 38 and I race in the category that's um, 35 to 39 year olds. And so part of me was like, oh, I need to skip all those steps and I just like want to get to the top. And I need to do that because of how old I am and you know, whatever reasons. But yeah, I did definitely like skip out on so much. (laughs) And it was humbling. And at the same time, now I'm just trying to compete and be at the best level I am currently at Mm -hmm. and see what happens. Cause like I've already shaved from an hour and 32 minutes, my first ever race down to an hour and 19 minutes. And so, yeah, yeah, in in a year. And so like my next goal is to get under an hour and 15 and it's all attainable, but I also am like focused on my journey with it and my timeline. Mm -hmm. And like I will get to that elite level when I am ready, but these lessons are the most important for me to learn in order to continue growing and evolving.
0: Well, and you also, you can't, you can't skip them. Like you just said, like a lot of these steps, like you can't skip these steps. These steps are important and they're there for a reason. And obviously like Breezy has been an athlete her whole life. Like she's been playing competitive sports her entire life. She played collegiate sports. Like I have been coaching people in some respect for a very long time, regardless if I had my own coaching business, regardless if Breezy had raced in the high rocks races. So there is a certain level of like experience that comes with any big shift, whether it be a big race or a big business shift, or you start your own business. Like your past experiences will definitely play a role in how quickly you find success. And and there are lessons that everybody will need to learn in any given situation. So there are lessons that I needed to learn as a business coach running my own business that I couldn't skip ahead no matter how much experience I'd had coaching people in another aspect. They're like Breezy, there are lessons that sh- like you had to learn as a high rocks athlete, you had to know what having a bad race feels like, like you had to go through these things and you will continue to have to go through things. Yeah. Like, even though you have had a ton of experience as a competitive, a competitive athlete in the past, you know, I think we come into things and we go, Oh, well, because I've done something similar in that way, then I should be at the same level as this person is right now. And it's like, well, yes, you do have a lot of experience and this is a new experience. And even though you have skills and qualifications that will make this a smoother process than let's say someone who's never raced anything or competed in anything in their entire life. Yes, there will be an advantage you have there. And there are still lessons you're going to have to learn doing this specific craft, this specific race, this specific business that you can't skip, nor should you want to, because those are gifts. Every lesson that you learn on that path is a gift, right? Like what are some gifts that you've learned along the way, even in the last year through racing? Yeah. Um, Like what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far?
1: I mean, I feel like the biggest one is just remembering to trust the universe and trust that like, I do have all the skills I need for this moment in time. And remembering that like age is just a number. Cause I, it's like, Oh, if I would have gotten into racing, you know, when I was 22, 23, like where could I have been? But at the same time, like I look back to the, <laughs> those years and I'm mentally, I, I would have done terrible at this. And I know that it's in my life right now in this moment, because I'm prepared for this moment, um, and these races. And it's just reminding me too, that, um, like I can get stronger and I can get wiser as I age and I can get in better shape as I age. It's been a huge lesson. Um, and doing it in a, in a healthy, fun way, not being like miserable or punishing my body to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and still having a life like that's been a big, big, big lesson. And something I'm proud of is like, I maintain my lifestyle and I maintain like enjoying my life. And this is a part of it. I didn't like you know, quit eating pizza and quit hanging out with my family and just train at the gym six hours a day. Like that's not the life context. Yeah. Well, that's the life context that we talk about, right? Like I, I think that, um,
0: I've said this a lot that you're regardless of what you're building, whether it be like a professional racing career, a business, um, you know, a fitness routine, like whatever it is, like, or a health routine, like regardless of what it is, you have to build it around the life context that you desire. Mm -hmm. You know, like I could be the person who's trying to build a a coaching business and I could like Devote all of my time to it, and my family could never see me, and I don't I take vacations, and I don't take time off, and I never shut my computer, and I'm always working. I could do that, but I've done that before. I've done that before when I built another business, when I built my network marketing business. Like I say it all the time, and I used to say it with pride, like, "Oh, I didn't know where my family was. Like, I hope my kid ate dinner." But like that was true. Like I I didn't know what was going on with my family for like for a lot of that journey, and all I do believe that that was a lesson I was meant to learn. So I didn't repeat that like i needed to go through that so i never comp- i never repeated that loop but it's like now that i'm building this business for me just like you're building your fitness career for you it will always be around the life context that i want personally and the one that like Breezy and i have decided that we want for our family you know and so i think that's a really good point that no matter what you're building build it around the life context that you
1: desire for yourself and for your family The other thing is, like you said, just the mindset and how it transfers into every area of your life. So I've even felt the shift in like reigniting this competitive athlete inside of me and being able to control what I can control and learn in those moments of the races and be able to shift my mindset and the whole never give up like anything can happen and taking that into other areas of my life, Um, like with my finances, especially right now, um, with my movement direction jobs and just, you know, the confidence I go on to set with and, um, With us. Yeah. With definitely with us and with like our new home and this new life we're building. Um, Your relationships get so much better and like our relationship has gotten so much stronger, I think and like
0: more passionate and all the things now that we're not like we really are leaning away from like needing the validation from each other. Like I know that Breezy's there to support me and I know that she's my biggest fan and like that is something that like I will never take for granted, but it's no longer something I need in order to be successful. Where I think, you know, in past relationships, I really felt like I needed the approval of my partner in order to do what I really wanted to do. And that ultimately led to like hurt. And it led to like feelings, you know, feeling or like weird emotions. It led to animosity. It led to a whole bunch of things. And I, I really do think that like when you start to lead yourself in that way, you lead yourself in your relationships as well. So you no longer need that validation. It's nice. Like well, I'm sure having me at the race yeah. is nice. I think of it now more as- I'm a, basically her coach. Like yeah. I'm the one, I'm like, yeah. you got three more. Like you should see me at these races. <laughs> uh, I run around this place she, like a freaking chicken with my head cut off. I was sweating.
1: Yes, she was sweating. Doing
0: the job you didn't yeah. ask me to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were MVP, my family MVP. Um, yeah, my mom, you and my mom both did like- they each went to one of my races solo and when you're there as a solo spectator you really got to like be there for your person. You got to be on it. Um but no, I think of it more now it's not outside validation. It's we now just celebrate each other. So it's like you were there celebrating me but like I didn't need I didn't need you to tell me that I did a good job at that race. Like I I was totally content with being okay. proud of how well I did and like what I overcame and we support each other differently. Yeah, and it was just like icing on the cake.
0: Like it wasn't me. I wasn't there to validate you. I was more there. Like I knew like it would help you if I was there to be like at your laps to like count you so you could take off some of the pressure. Just like you in my business, like you run so many aspects of like the operations side of my business, not because you like it, you're validating me, but it's like, it's the support that we give one another to make sure that like each other and as a partnership, like have the life context that we want like we're both supporting each other in that
1: yeah
0: yeah well Um, I'm really proud of you she is um can I tell them where we're headed oh yeah she qualified for world championships again Mm -hmm. with her insane time and we are actually going to Manchester in May Mm -hmm. for her second world championships and she's where are you currently sitting placed in the world
1: um In the 35 to 39 age group, I'm 40th in the world, and I'm looking to shake shit up again and podium in my age group. So I won't be in the top 15. The reason the Elite 15 is, like, so sought after is because when you're in the Elite 15, that's where cash prizes, like, major cash prizes are awarded. Like, I think it's 10 k for first place. So that's like my long-term goal. And I think that's part of what I had. I was too focused on originally. It's was like, oh, I want to get in there for the cash prizes. But like, that's not why I'm racing here. Like I'm mm-hmm. making well, <laughs> money was, in my life.
0: Like, and that was coming not,
1: from scarcity anyway. That was coming scarcity, from like, well, yeah. if I'm going to spend so much time racing, then it better make me money. Yeah, yeah. Like that was silly, but it's truly now to just like do and be the best version of me in this race. And so, yeah. We're headed to Manchester and it's going to be a blast. Um, It's such a good point, though, because if you're doing anything and this is like I I think like a message
0: that I want to like leave everybody with. If you're doing anything and it's coming from a place of scarcity, a.k.a. like, oh, well, if I'm going to do this, then it better make me money because that's how I know that it's successful. Or if I'm going to do this, then everybody better
1: understand what it is that I'm doing. Or for me, it was if I'm spending the money on this cause I don't have a lot of extra funds. I was like, I'm investing on these races and like paying for it. Then like, I better get the return on investment.
0: Oh my gosh. The coach thing that's happens in the coaching. Like, Oh, if I'm going to hire this coach, well then how can you guarantee that I'm going to make this money back? Like nobody can guarantee that. And those are all, I, that's all coming from scarcity. Like all of that, that energy is scarce energy and it won't come back. Like you will never be happy if you come at things like that. Like I would be building this coaching business the exact same way, regardless if it was making me multi six figures or not. Like the fact that it's making me multi six figures is not why I'm doing this. You know, the fact that I can have $21,000 days or $30,000 days or $89,000 months, that's not why I stay doing this. Like Breezy, you know, the potential of Breezy winning $10,000 cash prizes is not why she's doing this. So Make sure that whatever you're doing, A, it's it's fitting into the life context that you want for you and your family, B, that it, it has nothing to do with what you're going to receive out of it and let it be like truly for you. Because I really do think that that's like the mindset of a champion. You can't lose when it's not motivated by external forces.
1: And the only other thing I think is if you do find yourself in that hole and you find yourself like in that failure or in that, like, I just keep calling it the moment, like just take a second, look around, like feel yourself in it and be like, okay, yep, this is the moment. I'm mm-hmm. like, some people call it rock bottom, whatever. Like I'm in this moment. Like, what am I going to do now? And just like have that self-awareness moment and then be like, okay, let's fucking go. Let's get out of this. Like, like what's the truth? Mm-hmm. Like not yeah, just what's the, what I'm yeah. perceiving to be the truth, but what's actually the truth here is, you know, I failed. Or I'm currently failing. I'm falling (laughs) into the hole. Whatever it is, like, cool, cool, cool. All right, we're here. And let's just action out of it. Like, it's all good. We all have those holes. We all have those failures. Like, we can get out of it. Yeah. Just never give up anything can happen swimming,
0: just keep swimming it's like the
1: simplest thing but it just worked for
0: me like it did dory oh, it did. dory the fish dory. said it best <laughs> just keep swimming um listen honey i am so proud of you i know that Thanks, you too. don't need that but mm. i am proud of you and i love you and thank Ditto. you for thank you for joining us today
1: Thank you for having this space for me to share this.
0: Um, Breezy to- does a whole lot of coaching as well around like mindset for athletes. So, you,
1: you know, she has a – you have a program out. I do. Um, I have a program called Shift Your Shit and it's um, dedicated to helping you shift your mindset so that you can have sustainable, healthy habits, um, nutrition, fitness, all the things um, so that we're not yo-yoing and going crazy. It's just living consistently. I also just became a certified high rocks coach. So if you are interested in anything or learning about high rocks, like actually in LA, one of the other fun things was my brother-in-law, Trevor, he just finished his first race ever. And he's like, he would call himself like an average fitness guy. He used to play basketball in high school and he's athletic, but it was like a huge goal. And he's like, I just want to finish it. And he did, and it was freaking awesome, and we all cheered him on. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a cool race because it is accessible for every level. Um, Isn't that the motto of it? Yeah, that it's a race for everybody. Um, It's similar, like, if you've done, like, a 5K or 10K or, like, a a triathlon. It's that similar thing where it's, like, you'll see people. Like, I saw um, a gentleman who was – or, no, a woman who was uh, Marta. She was 70. It was her 70th birthday, and she competed in High Rocks. There's a 17-year-old that's crushing it. Like, all levels, all skill levels. Um, There was – uh, there's an accessible, accessible, um, athlete, mm-hmm. um, section division, as well. Yeah. yeah. Division as well. Um, it's awesome. So it is for everybody. So yeah, if you want more information on that or, um, training, anything. Go find her. your girl at breezy.j
0: on Instagram.
1: Breezy with an I E.
0: Yeah. B-R-E-E-Z-I-E dot J at on Instagram.
1: Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank I love you, ya. I love you.
0: We'll see you guys back, or I'll see you guys back on Friday for another episode. Maybe
1: <laughs> me too. Who knows?
0: I know. Brizzy just pop pops it. She just pops in. We need a morning show. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna call it. Let's oh. talk about it. Oh, that's so please. Okay. Bye. bye.